The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Move through blocks and fulfill your passion and purpose. This is Stop Stopping Yourself with your host, Vincent Jenna. Well, hello everyone today. Yes, I am your host, Vincent Jenna, and I am coming to you live from Holly Springs, North Carolina, which is right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, for those of you who know the Raleigh area. It's a beautiful day and been very excited because they are starting to open things again. Yes, the governor here and uh, in actuality, my wife and I and a couple of friends went to a Durham Bulls baseball game last night. Yay! And there were a lot of people in the stadium and we were walking while we were in the tunnel. Everybody wore masks. And then as soon as we got outside, because the CDC said as long as you're inoculated and you're vaccinated that you can remove your mask. So it was pretty wonderful to be with a whole bunch of people again. And you can tell everybody's energy was up and they were excited. And gosh, I hope you're getting the experience of that and not living off of fear. Don't be afraid anymore. But but um, I know it's been in the news. <laughs> the Yankees came down, a whole bunch of Yankees, it was seven of them, came down with the coronavirus uh, with very little uh, symptoms, quite honestly. There were some, they weren't that bad. Uh, they probably did spread it to each other. So yes, understand that you can still spread it, you can still get it, but it's not as bad, and the likelihood of that happening is very low based on what the CDC is saying. But it was just wonderful being amongst people again, and I hope everybody remembers what this feeling is, that we really do enjoy each other, and it not be a novel thing again, and then we get back to normal and just ignore each other and mistreat each other and what have you, because it's, it really is a wonderful feeling to be amongst people. It's a wonderful feeling to also be inspired and to believe in yourself and take the steps that you want to take to create the life you want. And that is what my show is about today. Oh, my gosh. I can't tell you how excited I am. Oh, okay. So stop it, Vinny. I'm getting over emotional already. Okay. Um, this is an important, very important person in my life, in my wife's life uh, as well. Um, she came into the picture in 1988. She wasn't easy coming in, uh, but I'm telling you that she's been an incredible blessing. And I am having her on my show today for some major, major reasons. You know I am constantly trying to help you unblock. I'm constantly trying to help you believe in yourself and, and take steps for yourself, loving steps for yourself. And yeah, of course, it's easy for me to say that I had a nice, wonderful spiritual experience back when I was 28 years old. So yeah, okay. Oh yeah, Vince, you've got angels and spirits and higher self talking to you. We didn't all get that. And so it's a lot harder 
And though it seems like it would be more difficult for everybody, it isn't. Everybody has the same opportunity. That wasn't special for me because I fought a tooth and nail from the beginning, even until today, I still fight my gifts because it's not easy to believe. No matter what your story is in your past, you wind up having these scars from your past issues and everything keeps getting in the way, but there are chances, there are choices, there are ways of stepping forward and to go from you know, uh, um, an emotional bottom to an unbelievable, inspiring top. Everybody can do that. Everybody. So I am bringing on my daughter because she accomplished something absolutely amazing. Kimberly Jenna Bryant is her name, married to an absolutely incredible man, Michael Bryant. Love my son in heart. He's too close to call him son-in-law. And... She did something so amazing in her life, and it, it really has nothing to do with what she actually did. You know, wasn't we, it, there's so many things that we want to do in our lives, right? We want to achieve a dream or write a book or really get a rewarding and fulfilling job. But we went, when we take steps to completely transform our lives, body, mind, and spirit, our minds, our emotions. It's so much bigger than just achieving the job you want. It's why we're here. We're not here to achieve anything that society today defines as an achievement. We're here to achieve our own divinity, our own magnificence, our own understanding of what it is to be a Christ person with God, connected to God. What does that mean? What does that feel like? And so we're meant to take steps towards our dreams so that we can understand who we are and what we're capable of. So the outcome, actually, even though that's a, a blessing and a reward, is amazing, it's the step we take, which is what we get the most credit for, the step we take, and sometimes for some people, the steps can be so difficult. And so I, I invited my daughter on to share that journey, the journey of the steps. And then, of course, it's not easy to maintain those steps, and she'll share whatever she wants and whatever she wishes to share. So she has to just explain to those who are just listening and haven't seen my ad or anything like that. Kimberly had a weight issue through most of her life, a major weight issue, um, which her daughter, her mother and I were concerned about. Her mother also had weight issue growing up. I was always really thin. And so I didn't make it easy for Kimberly with some of the things I ate. And don't you dare share any of those things that I used to eat daughter. Um, otherwise I'll <laughs> quit. Okay. Louie, listen for her. If she starts sharing all the ridiculous things that I ate while she was growing up with me, just tune her out. Okay. I don't want people to think I'm that crazy. Uh, no, hon, you can share whatever you want, but we didn't make it easy for her. You know, as parents, we, we, we think we're doing the best and, and we can make mistakes, but she went through a lot of emotions growing up and, um, 
gosh, came out on the other end, absolutely amazing person. I, uh, the two greatest prides I have in my life, well, three, is my wife, my son, and my daughter. They're amazing people. And I don't want to take up more time by doting on them, but I can't help but dote on them because world, if you met my daughter, you could not help but fall in love with her, but fall in love with her because she's caring. She always helped the underdog when she was in high school. That goth person, all dressed in black, who'd be sitting on the side and ostracized by the rest of the classmates, she'd go right up to and sit right next to because she knew their plight. She knew how bad they were feeling about themselves because she had gone through it herself. And she would sit there and and comfort them. She even kept one young girl from committing suicide. That's how deep my daughter is. And that was while she was young, a teenager. Um, There was always a big heart in her. And the only thing that my wife and I can take credit for, the only things that we will ever take credit for in our children is hopefully we laid a foundation of self-love as best as we could. We always tried to let them know we believed in them that they were special, that they can accomplish anything that they wanted to. And they do. And my daughter has, beyond belief. So at this moment, I want to introduce you to our greatest blessing, Kimberly Jenna Bryant. Kimberly, oh, hon, thank you for taking the time out to join your dad on this show. Of course. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's a really um, amazing introduction. I feel like I have a lot of pressure on me now. (laughs) Oh, you have no Um, pressure on you, girl. I didn't even give the rest of it. She's incredibly talented. (laughs) She sings like you cannot believe. She was meant to be on Broadway, but she is capable of doing her own thing, making her own choices. And you know I'm going to share this. You know I'm going to say this, so don't you dare get angry with me. It was between her and Nikki Blonsky, Blonsky, I don't know, I don't even remember her last name, nor do I care, Mm -hmm. for the leading role in the movie Hairspray with John Travolta. Yes, she was up for it. She was supposed to be Tracy. She was supposed to be Tracy. It would have been such a better movie if she was. Um, But but that's how talented she is. I'm sorry, honey. Yeah. No, fine. I truly believe that, you know, my life would not be where it is today if I had gotten that role. So I'm happy, you know, where the direction that my are. life went. You would have never met Michael. You would have met some I know. crazy Hollywood actor with emotional difficulties and problems. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, okay. So, so here you are having, I didn't finish even my comment about what you did do. Um, you lost at this point over 170 pounds. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm actually right, uh, right over 170 pounds. There you go. And, and uh, yeah, she looks amazing. She, she was always gorgeous. She was always beautiful. Everybody always told her that even as a little girl, um, and I'll share that little story later, how you, you always appreciated people complimenting your beauty. Um, but she I, is. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You still do. Absolutely. Because people are still coming up to you now again. You've gone in full circle and now you're still getting people coming up and saying, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. And she is an inside and out beauty. 
Um, but it wasn't easy for you to accomplish that, was it? No, it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my entire life. That's right. It was. So, so okay. So just give, share a little of your background, however much you want to share growing up. Um, yeah. And, and how it all started, and then we'll get to what you needed to get to where you are today. So share a little of your background, Kimberly. Absolutely. I mean, kind of what you touched on is how a lot of emotions growing up. Um, and, you know, you and mom always tried to instill in me and teach me to love myself. But that was not an easy task for me. Um, I spent a lot of my time on giving and caring for others because I wanted their approval and I wanted people to love me because I didn't love myself. And I just had a lot of emotions for, for, for myself. And so I turned to food um, for comfort. And I really struggled with that self-love aspect. And um, I, I got up uh, pretty high, um, almost 360 pounds in my adult life. And um, I just really struggled with self-love. You know, I knew, I knew the fact that I was beautiful. I knew the fact that I was worthy. But I never felt beautiful. I never felt worthy. I never felt good enough. Um, no matter how many times people told me, no matter how many times, you know, I even told myself, um, it, it was just always a struggle for self-belief um, my entire life. Um, for the first, I would say, 30 years of my life. Um, and, you know, I, I had a husband who loved me, and I still struggled with self-love. Um, and so um, that was just kind of, you know, I was in and out of therapy, and, you know, I've been on medications, and I always, I always tried, but I was always getting in my own way. Um, there was always something stopping me from loving myself. And, um, and I, yeah, I just turned to food for comfort and I stopped caring about what the doctor said and I was just always in pain and always tired. Um, and, and it wasn't until I, I don't even know if it was a specific moment, but I realized that I wanted more for my life and I realized that I wanted to raise a family. I realized I wanted to, you know, be a role model for kids. I wanted to be able to be healthy and do easy tasks as, you know, sit in an airplane or walk up the stairs without being in pain. And I just, I was tired of hating myself. Okay. And I knew... Mm -hmm, well, I don't I, I don't want to interrupt that, but you said some really good points yeah. I want to go back to a bit um, because yeah, this is a spiritual show and it is metaphysical. So you have a lot of people that understand about also past lives and things like that. So you early on said that you always had a difficult time loving yourself. Now, 
Yeah. Do, you, do you believe at all any of that? Like what, like what in your upbringing, what in your, because I know, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that mom and I were absolutely perfect. We weren't at all, definitely perfect at, at, at all as parents. And I know we made a bunch of mistakes, but why, why you had a, a, a son, a, a son, a brother who is seven years older than you, um, we remember as an infant, as an infant, if we did not come to you right away when you started stirring or crying, you started stirring and crying even more. It was almost like a feeling of we didn't care or it was an abandonment. So from a very, very early age, you had that lack of self-love feeling, right? That you, The earliest Absolutely. that you recall, didn't you feel like you were like an outcast from the family in some way? Oh, absolutely. I've, I had always felt um, no matter what you and mom did, I felt it was never enough that you that you didn't love me enough that you loved everyone else more. Um, and I always felt, um, yeah, outcast is probably the best word. I always felt broken. Broken. Um, yeah. Something was wrong with me. And I want people to know, and you're going to continue with your story because it's fabulous, that we had an astrological chart done because we believed in that, just to get some guidance prior. The moment we found out that Eileen was pregnant, we had an astrological chart done. And in it, it specifically says that this is a soul who came into this world to learn self-love. Self-love. And quite honestly, it's what we understood and why we tried to keep feeding you love is because we did believe in that and like, and then you showed signs of that continuously. So we take on these choices in this life, no matter how difficult they are. And so, first of all, I compliment your soul for being so brave to take that on in this life. Um, and then, of course, as parents, it makes it that much more difficult to make sure that that occurs. But what you said you were tired, okay, but so many people are tired with their lives. How did you pull yourself up to make any positive choices, Kimberly, even throughout the time? Because you've always succeeded at everything that you've done. How did you mm -hmm. do that? Honestly, I saw other people doing it. And I saw that other people were being successful. Um, I saw a couple people in my life talking about the struggles that they were experiencing. And, you know, I always felt, well, no one understands me. No one understands what I'm going through. No one understands, you know, I'm unique. My situation is it its own. No one truly understands. But I saw someone on Facebook, oddly enough, posting about their journey. And there was this part of me that just really wanted that. And I thought to myself, why, why the heck not? Why, if they can do it, there is no reason. There's absolutely no reason I can't. So you, you had this feeling of self-belief, even if it was momentary. Why did it take so long to have that feeling, do you think? 
Honestly, I don't know. Um, I I think I've just been doing a lot of self work, um, and it something in the brain um, just clicked. Something in my spirit just clicked, and I think I just I reached a point. You know, I was oddly enough, mom always said to me whenever I would diet, um, she would always say to me, "You'll reach a point when you're ready to make a change." And I never believed her. And I kept waiting for that moment. I kept waiting. I'm like, well, this isn't going to be successful until that moment happens. Uh, I'm, I'm not kidding you. The, the moment happened, and I didn't even realize it um, until I saw someone else going through it. And I had this moment of, well, I want that. And it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, so there was definitely some sort of self-belief, you know, that I had been building. It almost is, um, it's like the work never ends. You know, you're constantly working on it. And at some point, you're going to build a strong enough foundation to start building the next step. So it's kind of what it was, you know. It just took me a lot longer to build that foundation. Um, A lot longer. Will you share how old you are? I'm 32. And so when did this understanding and step take place? Uh, when I was 30 years old. Yeah, there are people 60 years old, Kimberly, that haven't come into that step yet. So that, for you to come to it that young is amazing and very reflective, but because you keep saying really something very important that I need others to understand that are listening. You said you saw others being able to do it. You saw others being able to do it. So in other words, there was some evidence in the world or in your life that you could see, well, if others did it, then maybe I, you even said the same, you even said that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just gave one of the major reasons as to why we created a universe where we're all together on this planet, not just to share our experiences, but to be motivated by each other. Do you think you would have come to that if you were the only person on this planet? Definitely not. (laughs) Right, you wouldn't have known you could have done it. So we are here for each other then in that way. Um, Okay, okay. You're saying incredible things. I hope people are really listening to this. All right, so it clicks, it clicks. So you turn around and you say, okay, I'm going to do it. So, and having watched you go through the experience, I know that the click alone wasn't enough. So you come to the point of, I'm going to do this for myself. So what happens Mm -hmm. after that? Is it easy once you come to that? Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. There were, there was a lot of work following that. Um, I made the decision to make a change in my life, and I started putting the work in. I started going to therapy. I started going to the doctors. I started um, doing some digging into, you know, spiritual and self-work. And I, it was about a, it was almost a full year process of just getting to um, the moment of, of surgery. So I don't even think it's been said, but um, 
the um, what I actually had was um, bariatric weight loss surgery, um, but there was a lot of work that went into it beforehand and afterwards. And um, I, I, I did a lot of research. I did a lot of pros and cons lists and values lists and value checking and prioritizing, you know, what matters to me. You know, am I losing this weight because I think the weight loss is going to make me happy? No, I'm losing this weight because I want um, a better life for myself, because I want to not rely on food for comfort. I want to be able to comfort myself and validate myself. Um, it was a lot of work. It was very hard. Um, it's still hard. Um, every day is a challenge. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely not a a click, and then suddenly life is easy. That's not at all what it, what's happening. You know, it wasn't right. a click, okay. yeah. and then suddenly I'm successful. I, yeah, not to interrupt you, but you said, again, something very important I want to point out. It is not an easy fix. A lot of people think that going for bariatric surgery, oh, you're taking the easy way out, but not if you do it correctly. You're explaining that it was even harder to do it because of all the work you did up to it. Is that correct? Yeah. So digging a little deeper, I'll go into more specifics here. So once I made the decision to have bariatric surgery, I actually um, went for eating disorder treatment to try and correct and improve my relationship with food. So I spent um, four or five months in tr intensive treatment um, and uh, to try and improve my relationship with food. And then after that, I um, continued in therapy, and I continued going to nutrition classes and doctor's appointments. And then um, it was a full year um, after I initiated the process to have surgery before I was allowed to get the surgery. Um, the entire time I was doing self-work and therapy, which is not required for those that have surgery, which I think it right. should be. Um, okay, uh, hold yeah, it there. A lot We're of coming across yep, to absolutely. a break. And I want people on the other side of this commercial, we're going to talk about first, what were, what was the work? What were you facing? What was the hardest thing that you had to face? Because when we say work, we're thinking, oh, I had to dig a ditch out in the backyard in order to plant the tree. Mm -hmm. No, that's not the work we're talking about. I believe you're talking about emotional and spiritual work. We're going to hit that when you get back. And then the results of having to, to do all of that work, the actual outcome, not the weight loss itself, because that's obvious and you're beautiful. But everybody hang around. This is the Stop Stopping Yourself show. I'm Vincent Jenna, and we are talking to Kimberly Jenna Bryant, our my daughter. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Stop Stopping Yourself with Vincent Jenna. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm glad you're joining us today. I have a special guest, my daughter, Kimberly Jenna Bryant. Um, and she is talking about, if you're just joining us, 
her process of having gone through bariatric surgery and a weight loss of over 170 pounds, but we're talking more about the emotional and spiritual aspect of this transformation and the pains and the work that she did. So that's where I want to pick up, Kimberly, when, when on the, before the commercial break we were talking, you were talking about that it was really difficult work. What what is the work? Obviously, it's not the same as you know balancing books and filing papers and you know finishing some type of job. What is the work you are talking about that you had to do? Well, I really had to uh, face myself, learn about what it is that I believe in about myself, what it is that led me to believe that about myself. Um, why why was I turning to food to make me feel better? You know, where else I could get comfort other than food? Um, but really, it was all about um, uh, all about that self-belief, like what it is that I truly thought. And I had discovered that I just truly believed that I was broken, that I wasn't worth fixing, that something was wrong with me no matter how much I tried to fix myself that there would always be something a part, part of me um, that was broken. And I spent, um, you know, I had been in and out of therapy for years, but it wasn't until I had made this decision to have surgery and finally really do the work on myself that I took a deeper look into, into this. And I, you know, of course, you know, the more you dig, the more dirt you're going to find. So um, as I was digging into why I felt this way, it got harder for a period of time. You know, it, I felt worse about myself because I was uncovering all these things I didn't realize that I was just unworthy and that no one would love me and that, um, you know, that I would just always be broken. That's really like the best way to put it. And, okay, let me stop you there one um, minute because yeah. this is my, my biggest concern and you can share anything at this point, right? Whether it be about yeah. your mother or I, don't worry about that. But for so many people, the stories of their past, the stories of their youths and how they were either tormented, abused, um, neglected, abandoned by their parents, by the environment, what, what, what evidence, what happened do you think that made you feel broken? Where, where was the evidence of that? I think it's important for the listeners to understand where this could or couldn't have come from. What do you think? Um, my, my, my thoughts on that are that um, when I came into this world, you know, you, mom and you and mom both had this idea that my biggest challenge would be self-love. That's normal for most people, but I think it was so evident in me that you guys actually spent a lot of time communicating that to me, that I lacked self-love. And so I kind of always felt like, oh, well, something's wrong with me if I was born into this world like that. Um, and so, you know, we, you guys sent, you, you basically did everything a parent would do 
you know, bring their child to therapy, bring their child, do, you know, family experiences with the child. You did all the things that a parent would do to make their child feel better. Um, but it almost had the opposite effect on me. It almost made me feel like I needed to be fixed. And it instilled this feeling in me that I was broken. And I didn't realize how deep that was embedded in me and my self-belief um, until I finally started doing the digging. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and she's right. You're right. Um, because the way you were acting emotionally, and then certainly at a very young age, you expressed things that were very concerning. So what do you do as parents? You know, even even having the background that I have, um, I wasn't a psychotherapist yet, but having the background, I have a child that is emotionally hurting and we didn't know how to take care of her. But you are right. As, as soon as a child comes into the world, however, and it doesn't fit into that mold of what we would call normality, right? You try to fix it. Mm -hmm. You try to fix it. But in the process of trying to fix it, that child, you're right, Kimberly, is just like you're thinking, well, there's got to be something wrong with me because they're trying to fix me. So as you're trying to fix the problem, it's creating more of a problem because it is instilling in the person something's wrong with you. Um, mm -hmm. But then should we have left it? Should we have not done anything? Um, and would she have grown out of it by herself? That's a question I don't know. And either, and I'm sure either do you, Kimberly, that you don't know that. Yeah. But the work was all about that. So, so here you are discovering these feelings about yourself that you weren't worthy. How did you discover they weren't true? I think just a lot of work with my therapist, really. <laughs> um, I We did a lot of back and forth and validating my feelings. And the simple phrase that I have, and I still to this day will say to myself over and over again, no matter how I feel, is it makes sense. It makes sense I felt broken when my parents were always trying to fix me. It makes sense that I lacked self-love when it felt like I was broken. Um, so it's, it's that self-validation um, that I started to save myself. And I slowly started to, well, I hate this word, it's the best way to describe the feeling of becoming unbroken, is I started to finally feel normal. I started to finally realize hey, I'm not actually broken. I just have this feeling, and that's okay to feel that way. So now what do I do with it? But I think that was, like, the, the real hard work um, is really starting to self-validate and realize that I am worthy and what I'm feeling is okay. But that doesn't, just because I'm feeling this way doesn't make me less worthy. And can I interject there that mm -hmm. I believe that one of the other things you were able to tap into, and this is important for everybody to hear, that no matter how broken you felt, you still were accomplishing things. You were doing well Absolutely. in school. 
You develop incredible talent. You saw that have an effect on the world. So your your life, the outcome of your life was not matching your feelings. Did that did that help you in any way to see some of your own personal accomplishment? Did that help you with any self-belief? I think what helped me is because you kind of have like these, you know, glasses on that you're blinded to your own success. You're blinded to your own worth when you feel that way about yourself. And I think it finally has helped me take those glasses off and see those things because I knew they were there. It's kind of like when you, when someone's talking, you can hear them talking, but you're not hearing the words. So I knew that they were there, but I wasn't actually seeing the accomplishments that I was, you know, that I had made. Um, and so I think I was finally able to remove those glasses and finally see those accomplishments. That's amazing, and I love that. And um, you're so reflective of even the work I've had to do because I went through that tormented youth, as you know, and those glasses mm -hmm. constantly told me that I was unworthy and I had to keep taking them off to see my worth. And I think everybody has to see that because, quite honestly, the majority of us accomplish more than we don't. And, yeah, absolutely. But we don't see it. Just the same as people were telling you how wonderful, beautiful, and talented you are, you couldn't hear it or see it, it wasn't until you took off your own glasses, your own filters in order to do that. So share with us the reward of doing that work, hon. Well, I, you know, obviously there's the reward where you know, I was able to get to the surgery and I started losing the weight. And yeah, you know, it's great, the weight's coming off, I'm finally feeling physically better. Um, but I never really cared what I looked like, or at least I didn't realize I cared. Um, I started losing the weight, and I started doing the work of self-love, and it actually helped me make the changes I needed to. So in order to lose the weight and to make the surgery successful, you actually have to make dietary changes. But because I was turning to food for that self-comfort, you know, because I, I was able to find that self-love in myself, I no longer needed the food to comfort me. So the changes in myself and my work, um, like for my self-belief, those were, those changes helped me make the changes I need, needed to lose the weight. And then the weight started coming off. And obviously that starts making you feel better. But then I started seeing myself compared to everyone else around me and I started it started becoming even more rewarding because I realized that I am worthy of being just like everyone else in this world that I'm not broken like everything all this work that I've been doing I'm not broken I I have I can work out this is an exact a perfect example I went to the gym for a workout class which I think is important to enjoy what you do and I think, you know, I never realized that when I went to the gym before, I hated every moment of it. I, I always felt like people were judging me the entire time. I never wanted to go. I'm finally in this gym class. I've lost some weight. I feel better about myself because of the self-work that I've been doing. And I finally noticed that I wasn't having these negative thoughts about myself, these negative fears of judgment, these 
what are they thinking of me? I never once thought it, and it was the most freeing experience in 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 32 years of my life of being able to just be in this room with you know seven other people and not even think what anyone else was thinking about me. Um, and you know, some say, well, that's because you lost weight. Some may say, well, that's because you put in the self And I think it was everything. I think it was the fact that I finally believed in myself. I finally um, knew that I was worthy and not broken. And because, you know, I started feeling good about myself that I was losing the weight and no longer trying to lose. So it's definitely been very rewarding. And now, you know, while it's still an everyday struggle of validating myself, and reminding myself, you know, it's not the, you know, click, I believe in myself, I have self-love, and the job, and the work is done. You know, it's still an everyday work, everyday job that feels easier the longer it goes because you start getting used to how amazing it feels to believe in yourself. Oh, my God. You, you just, you do realize, hon, you just did a promo for my new book without even knowing you did, called God, It's Not Working. What do I say in that book? At the moment you believe in yourself that that step allows everything else to work and fall into place, mm -hmm. and it gives you the strength that you need to do what you need to do, and you finally stop saying, God, it's not working. So, yes, you just, mm -hmm. gave, you just gave the key to my book there, and I, um, but I, I love what you said now. I, I've got to ask you this, and I think you touched upon it a little bit. How do you feel you were treated by the world or or at least the way you it were interpreted the way you were treated by the world before you loved yourself compared to now? How is the world treating you, if at all different? What do you think? Yeah, I felt like I was outside the circle. Like, the entire world was part of this cool club, and, um, and I wasn't invited. And I felt an outcast, and no one would understand me, and I almost embraced it a little bit, and I allowed myself to be this, like, you know, loud personality because, you know, hey, if I'm going to stand out, then I might as well stand out. I'll just be unhappy while doing it. Um, I always, I always felt like I was perceived as an outsider. I was, you know, no one ever wanted me around. Um, and I would always be that way. And now that I know that I'm worthy and I know that I am this amazing divine creature, I, I suddenly feel like I'm part of the club. Like I, I feel like... Well, number one, other people's opinions don't matter to me. Uh, matter to me, but 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 their opinions don't make who I am. So I can walk right beside them, and and I won't have to worry about what they're thinking of me because I know that I'm worthy and lovable. And that I think is the biggest difference um, between the two. Is you always you're walking down the street and you're always thinking, well, I'm not going to find someone to love me. Uh, what is this person thinking of me? And other people's opinions matter. And so you feel like an outcast. And suddenly you realize that the only person's opinion that actually matters is your own. 
and you realize you're worthy and that everyone loves you and you love you and now you're you're in the group where you're walking right alongside everyone else. That is something so important and paradoxical that I am going to repeat that. So in order for you to feel part of the circle, part of the group, and part of the fact that everybody loves you, you had to come to a place of, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I only care what I think about me. Mm -hmm. Which is so funny because then you would think you would shut yourself off just like other people. We see people acting like that in the world today. I don't care what you think about you, you know, um, and New York language, you, right? This is like, Mm -hmm. go, you know, get away from here, get, but that's the wrong feeling. What you did is you first had to come to the point of caring about yourself more than you were thinking about what other people were thinking. Then once you started caring about yourself, you still don't get hurt by what anybody else says, but you feel more part of the crowd now that you're in that place and you can appreciate that they do like you and love you more. Is that like, that's a crazy yeah. understanding, but that's exactly how it works. Well, it's almost like the minute you stop needing someone's love, the minute you can able to finally feel their love. That's, I love that. That's what I, I tell people all the time. That's what your mother used to tell me all the time. Stop trying to make people like you. When I was younger and I was acting like a complete moron trying to get people to like me, she would say, stop, and people will like you. Stop already. Stop acting like an idiot. People will like you just for being you. The moment I started liking myself for being me is the moment I stopped acting like a moron and found more people loving me. So you didn't Mm -hmm. act like a moron for sure, But you have to start loving yourself first, and then all of a sudden the energy changes around you. See, it is about energy and what you put out into the world. You put out so much in the world, Kimberly. So so now that you've done this, what do you think you're going to be doing with this feeling, with this process? uh, Haven't you been online trying to help others that are going through this same process right now or want to? Absolutely, yeah. I mean... It was other people that inspired me to finally make the change. And so I've been making sure to be open and honest about my journey. And I've been doing, you know, Facebook Lives and making sure I am there. I've joined support groups for people that have also gone through my surgery or eating disorder treatment. And I just am always there as a support for everyone else because I know that that helps me finally make the decision. So I want to do that for other people. Do you think that um, the, the, the feelings you have now about yourself can only help those who want to lose weight or go through this kind of surgery? Or do you think it can be applied to anything? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely be applied to anything. Um, you know, even my husband, you know, I feel, you know, I always try to push him and remind him to do this self-work um, for self-belief so that he can progress in his job. You know, I think that the um, minute you start self-validating, the minute you start doing the work into realizing that you're worthy of love, um, and the minute you start believing that you're worthy of love and feeling that you start increasing your, your confidence and therefore you feel like you're able to accomplish anything you want to accomplish. 
Um, so it absolutely can work for people that have that has nothing to do with weight loss. Mm, I, and that's what I want everybody to hear. Um, I, I did want to bring back your image about feeling outside of the circle. I'm sure you remember this, but when you were eight years old, you drew a picture to your mother and I to explain how you felt in the family. And you drew stick figures of your mother, your brother, and I on one side of a door and the door was closed and locked, and you drew a picture of you on the other side of the door trying to scream to us and get to us. Do you remember that picture? I don't, but it, it, as you're describing it, it feels very real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because and, and so that you know and that the world knows, um, very young going to therapy, you were able to explain your emotions better than most adults can explain them. So you were always in tune with your emotions and you allowed yourself to feel them. Um, I know you went through a lot of pain in your life, hon, you know, in your youth. Um, do you think you're, you're able to stop a lot more pain if there's any any to come you think you can control that more now how do you feel about the actual emotional state i think the difference is growing up um we were always taught that when you feel this way you need to control it to get rid of it and i think what i've learned is that it's not about getting rid of the emotion it's about embracing the emotion and understanding the emotion, and therefore you then can control the, like can control your response to the emotion. Not control the emotion, control your response to the emotion. Oh, but that's yes, important. I, Could you say that again? I'm yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to absolutely. interrupt you. That is so important. Say that again. Yeah, I think it's important to learn that it's not about controlling the emotion. You need to embrace and accept the emotion and instead control your response to the emotion. So um, the first step is always to be validating yourself and, and realizing that what you are feeling is real and makes sense. And now how do we move forward with it? I think that's the biggest difference is when I was younger, I was even therapists were trying to teach me how to control my emotions. And um, nowadays, therapists are understanding that it's not about controlling the emotions, but it's about controlling how you react and respond to it. Um, so, yes, I may feel anxiety, okay? So how do I move forward from that anxiety? How do I move forward from that fear? How do I move forward from this depression or this anger? You know, I can allow myself to feel that way, and now let's, let's focus on how I'm going to respond to it. And I think that's the key moving forward. So I'm, I don't, you know, I, I understand that we live in a physical world and there's going to be pain and there's going to be things that affect me metaphysically. There are going to be things that affect me emotionally. There are going to be things that are out of my control um, from other people. What I can control is how I respond. And, um, and so I'm going to feel things and I'm going to feel pain and I'm going to feel hurt. But now how do I feel and move forward from that? And I think that's the key. It is the key. You're, you're absolutely right. And what were you talking about earlier in controlling emotions, that's actually a psychological 
coping mechanism, and it's called actually cognitive behavioral therapy. And you mm-hmm. try to to gain these tools to stop yourself, not just allow yourself, but stop yourself from be feeling this emotion when somebody says something or does something or something happens at work or in life. You try to stop the emotion. Matter of fact, one of the techniques is you wear a rubber band, and if you start having these thoughts, we're trying to teach people to have different thoughts, right? You have different thoughts. You snap the rubber band to interrupt the thought so you can stop the negative emotion. But that allows you to cope through life. And I did get that training. So, But we understand on a spiritual level, and that's what you're talking about, Kimberly, and I want to separate that, the psychological from Mm -hmm. the spiritual. The psychological, if you want to just get through life, then yes, you probably have to learn how to control the way you feel. But if you want to grow through life, you have to embrace, like just what you said, hon, embrace your emotions and then learn how to respond differently. There is nothing wrong. Kimberly, you and I, we've always been told by mom, we're intense and dramatic. And you know how my response to that was always, we are not intense, we're passionate. Damn it. Mm-hmm. We are passionate people. We feel more. And you know what? I don't mind feeling more. I feel more joy. I feel yes, and then I feel more sadness. I don't mind that. Don't mm-hmm. tell me to control that or get rid of it, right, hon? Don't tell me to get yeah, rid of that. Absolutely. Now, how am I going to respond if I get upset? Am I going to take it out on the world? Am I going to take it out on myself? Am I going to, you know, suppress it because I'm afraid to feel it? I think that's what you're talking about is that, no, I am I love who I am. If you're going to love who you are, you love your feelings, too. That's what Absolutely. I feel you're doing. Oh, Kimberly, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for joining me today. It, the show is over. We went by, but this has been fabulous. You're amazing. And everybody go look at the picture again. Listen to this. This is the Stop Stopping Yourself show. Bye, hon. Say goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.